Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. Been kind of crazy week, but nice to have a bit of a time off. Yeah, man, it's been a busy weekend, and uh, I was up quite late last night. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I was doing a, I was participating in a charity stream where we played Sea of Thieves uh, for Extra Life, and uh, I just, it's really tough to stay up past 11, like 10 o'clock with <laughs> three small kids, because they do not care uh, when you've stayed up late. They will, uh, they will... Th- they will keep you awake. Um, luckily, I did manage to sleep in just a wee bit, but uh, I'm really feeling it. Plus the sun. I mean, I know you get the sun all year round down there, but uh, here in Canada, uh, you know, when the sun hits you, you, like, you don't like to complain about it because warm weather is nice. You get like two, three solid months of really nice, warm summer weather. Um, and this has like been a really good spring, so I'm not complaining. For all my fellow Canadians who are like, eh, is he complaining about the spring? He's not supposed to do that. Um, I'm not. I'm just saying sun gets to me and I'm, I'm feeling it. But I am excited. Um, we're, we don't have summer heroes yet in Fire Emblem Heroes, but I am excited to talk about Fire Emblem Heroes because Eddie and I, we have a, 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 a tight show. Uh, there's not a lot going on in the game, but that usually sparks some interesting conversations. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. And without further delay... Taking a look at the banners, we got the weekly revival banner 13, revival a new future going into the 2nd of June, heroes with odd wave skills going into the 2nd as well, maternal matchups part 1 and 2 going into the 6th, bridal beloveds special heroes revival going into the 7th, and bridal grace going until the 17th. Eddie, I did not do any summoning. Uh, It's been a it's uh yeah, it's been a dry summoning couple weeks, but I'm curious how you did because you you dove in a little bit into the bridal banner. I dipped back into the bridal banner a little bit more, and don't worry, Ryan. I'm sure if you tell yourself a good five or six more times, you'll actually believe yourself when you say you're not complaining about the sun. <laughs> uh, but like I said, I did dip back into the bridal banner a bit uh, and continuing to search for Saul, and I did manage to grab him. Uh, wasn't that many orbs, so I don't. Nothing else to report from it, but uh, beyond that, not much else this week, summoning-wise. I think there, I even have a couple of free summons still sitting there waiting for me. Nice. Yeah, I did my free summons. Uh, obviously, we've had three or four new banners pop up since our last recording, uh, but nothing nothing really to write home about. I, I think I did get a, a four-star upgrade for Hector, Brave Hector, but I already had him, um, so it wasn't okay. nothing to write home about. Yeah, but it's always nice to get some, you know, either fodder or merges, depending on what you want to do with them. Yeah, I haven't done anything. Honestly, I need to clear out some five stars because I've got a lot of level one five stars just sitting sitting there. They need some attention. Um, but uh haven't found the time to uh, take a look at that. But I am looking forward to, uh, I mean, speaking of, of not like summoning, I am waiting for that next sort of event to summon on. And I, I have my fingers crossed that this new heroes, uh, summoning event happening in a couple weeks will be, uh, something that I can throw some orbs at. Although I have to be careful because I, I should save because summer heroes are just around the corner and, you know, 
summer heroes are usually ones we go for because because we don't complain about the heat they don't complain about the heat they're just having a good time right so looking forward to the summer heroes speaking of summer um we are going to actually take next week off for life uh it's a bit of a slow week as well since the new heroes that you hinted at aren't going to drop until after we would record and um you were talking about what excited for that next new summoning event and great news well, it's not out right now while we record. It will be out probably by the time the uh, people are listening to this. Uh, as the new Mythic Ashera banner was uh, trailer dropped and it launches tomorrow. Uh, like I said, probably by the time you're listening to this, it was probably earlier today at 2 a.m. Uh, we also have the maternal matchups voting gauntlet that those two banners that popped up are associated with uh, going on the 1st, launching up on the 1st. Hubert and Bernadetta have their Bound Hero Battle, uh, receiving a re- revival on the 2nd, with a new skills banner for form skills on the 3rd. Uh, we On the 4th, we have the Bridal Belonging Revival banner, starting along with a new round of three Heroes quests. Uh, the Bridal Bloom banner uh, sees its revival start on the 5th, uh, and another round of Ponza Loki launching up again on the 6th. The calendar winds down near the end with the Bridal, Bridal Blessings Revival banner on the 7th, uh, which if you're counting, I believe that shows that we have had five Bridal banners already, which is hard to believe. Uh, but uh, like mentioned, that New Heroes banner starts on the 8th along with its login bonus and forging bonds. And the last thing sitting there on the calendar, uh, day after that, is the Grand Hero, ba- Grand Hero Battle associated with it, on the night good chunk of content coming our way uh over the next couple weeks i'm sure you're excited that next new big banner is starting tomorrow <laughs> with that mythic Ashera banner you want to summon on that don't you i don't i was actually referring to the next next banner oh, uh we will talk okay. about Ashera, uh obviously on tonight's show but i yeah don't know who she is but before we get to Ashera, um we do have, before we come back, we'll have another new Resplendent Hero launching, uh, and that is Krom getting Resplendent Treatment with a uh, new Muspel-inspired outfit for him. Yeah. How do you, uh, how do you feel about this? I, I'm, I, my first impression was, so right now Nino's running. Um, I'm, I'm off of the Fey Pass now. I uh, just ran out. I... I don't know if I'm going to resub for Krom. He looks he looks cool, but I don't I don't know. He does look cool. I'll give him that. He's got a lot of like uh he's got like a feathered cape kind of or a feathered sort of like shoulder pads sort of look. I think the black and red of Muspel kind of works well with his blue that is still showing through in his outfit. Um you know, if you're not subscribed or not like me who uh, subscribes on a fairly regular basis and gets all the resplendent heroes. I can see, especially if Krom's not your favorite, maybe skipping him. But I, I like it, and I was, you know, probably going to get it no matter what anyway. So, is this you know. so? I, I now that you point out the blue and I'm seeing it, that is really cool looking. Um, now does this replace the uh, the Krom that? Yeah, it replaces the Krom that kind of looked a little sickly, was it? Um, this is a this is the Krom that probably needed the glow up. It's the the original Krom, yeah. It's the original Krom, not what not his, uh, you know, 
Knight Exalt or whatever it is, mounted version. The should be the infantry original Chrom that's been in the three to four star pool forever. Uh, so yeah, he's getting a nice little glow up. And yeah, looking at his original portrait there in the corner, I can see where you can see he looks kind of sickly there. So okay, I think I've changed my mind. I'll probably will sub for uh, for Chrom. He looks he looks cool, and it's a proper upgrade for a not so great first outing that- look. Molten Arm is definitely interesting when you look at his, especially when you look at his uh, damaged battle art. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't look that far. Press the magnifying glass, scroll on over. That Molten Arm is quite oh, interesting. wow. Okay. Wow. He, he, uh, <laughs> that looks really cool. Okay, I'm back. That's really cool. Of course, as always, up to you if you want to or not, but I'm, you know, I like to get them all, collect them all, so I was probably going to you know, go for him anyway, just... Yeah, I think I will. I think I will pop back in. Um, but uh, we did hint at... Uh, we didn't hint, we strongly wordedly said that we were going to talk about it. But uh, we are going to talk about the Mythic Banner, which is a Shara Order goddess. Uh, and in the world of Tellius, the goddess Ashunera split herself a long time ago in the past... Uh, to into two forms she took after splitting were i should have read this ahead of time uh were yoon sorry i had bad punctuation when i typed it up it's all good uh after splitting were so she split into two yoon the chaos goddess that we received in the past and who masquerades as a bird on makaya's shoulder and ashara the order goddess who joins us here in this banner um, Eddie, you want to run down who is joining alongside Ashera this uh, this month? Uh, yes, on this uh, blah, 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 blah. Mythic Banner, we have in the red uh, slot, Legendary Roy, Legendary Elwood, and Azel. Uh, in the blue slot, we have Legendary Azura, uh, Mythic Peony, uh, and Ronin. In the green slot, we have Mythic Triandra, Mythic Freya, and Dudu. And in the colorless slot, uh, since Ashera is a colorless unit, uh, we have legendary... I'll learn how to talk one of these days. I make no promises, because I probably won't. Uh, We have legendary corn and legendary clod. Nice. I'm getting the feeling from this episode, we both need a a week off. We're all all feeling a little... uh little loopy but uh Which we are i kind of sort of feel bad about since we took a week off last week and you know it's just been crazy busy i i think yeah, like... it's been crazy at work kind of gotten insane so yeah well we apologize folks but we're we're gonna get through this and we're having a great we're having a great time talking about the mythic hero ashera order goddess ashera is a colorless tome infantry unit wielding orders sentence grants attack plus three Start of combat if unit's HP is greater than or equal to 25%, or if bonus is active on unit, grants attack slash speed slash defense slash resistance plus 5 to unit during combat, and grants bonus to unit's attack during combat equal to the total bonuses on ally with the highest total bonuses within two spaces. So an example would be if an ally within two spaces has attack slash speed slash defense slash resistance plus 6, that would grant attack plus 24. Her new skills include attack slash resistance ideal 4 in the A slot, where at start of combat, if unit's HP is equal to 100%, or if bonus is active on unit, grants attack slash resistance plus 7 to unit during combat. Start of combat, if unit's HP is equal to 100% and bonus is active on unit, 
grants an additional attack slash resistance plus two to unit during combat. Also new is orders restraint in the C slot, where at start of turn grants attack slash resistance plus six and null panic to allies within two spaces for one turn. Start of turn, if three or more allies are within two spaces of unit, grants attack slash resistance plus six and null panic to unit for one turn. Rounding out her kit is Glacius as a special, null speed slash resistance three in the B slot. Uh, Lull speed, not null. A lot of nulls in there, but the B slot is low, L-U-L-L, not yes. null. No speed so, slashes. A lot I of nulls in there, so I can see why it would throw you off there. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to get a new ideal skill. Um, the Order's Restraint is her mythic skill, as most legendary mythics here, mythic heroes have a specific uh, skill for them. Uh, and uh, that Null Panic is a special uh, keyword that uh, invalidates the debuff from a Panic if someone is inflicted with panic, but it does not negate the penalty status. So essentially it neutralizes the converts bonuses on target into penalties part of the panic skill, uh, but it does not remove the fact that you have a penalty on you. So if someone has a skill that triggers off of penalty on your unit, that will still trigger, but you won't lose the stats that you would have otherwise. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that null panic was new, so I'm guessing that status is brand new to uh, to this character, right? First time I've seen it, I believe so. Um, I may be misremembering it appearing before, but it's it feels new to me. Like I don't really recall yeah. it either, so uh, I just uh, it's good that we went over it. Um, you know, uh, as as there is a lot of conversation with these heroes from games, uh, if you've been listening since episode one, you probably have a great idea of. Eddie and I's uh, catalog of Fire Emblem games that we've played. And and the Tellius series is one of those that kind of falls off the side of our desk in terms of we had access to it at the time. Uh, but but I, don't, I played I through played. a bit of the first one. I just never did get around to the second one. I played a bit of Path of Radiance and fell off somewhere in there. But Yeah. And funny enough, like I I did the exact same thing. I remember playing, I have the GameCube game, I remember playing a lot of it. Don't remember much past the first sort of part of it, but I never played the Wii game. And honestly, uh, I probably should have picked it up. For me, for Path of Radiance, it was I was playing it, enjoying it, and then I got to a map where they added a couple extra characters, and I had not actually leveled up any of the side characters. So I, you know, like really needed to use an archer character to activate a ballista or whatever and kept getting killed pretty easily because he was really low level mm-hmm. so and suffice to say like because we hadn't played it um i have no idea who this character is this is the this is the first time i'm seeing her uh ashera and uh first time realizing that she is a um one half of a of a, of a god and uh it, but again like that's why i really appreciate this show and fire emblem heroes because i i get to be introduced to characters that i may or may not know already uh, or should know and this is one of them and she is she looks really cool um i'm not sure i'm summoning on this banner i just feel like there's not there's not a whole lot bringing me to it but i appreciate that they've added her here i think it's really neat and it makes me want to be it makes me want um a re-release of 
the Tellius series. Like I think we were talking about this pre-show. I think there's a lot there that can be mined to sort of bring back as an echoes. Um, we were kind of talking about could they match the length of three houses and offer that sort of content offering by remaking a pair of games and putting them together into one big package. That might be a lot, but I'm not sure they really need to match the amount of content in three houses. Uh, Cause I think the number of people, and maybe it's more than I think, but the number of people who are going to get a full extra 20 chapters out of three houses are kind of limited. So, you know, in length, I think the original games are about similar with 26 chapters or so. If you do one playthrough, you know, maybe there are more people than I thought think who have done multiple playthroughs. Uh, I definitely wouldn't complain about a virtual console release of the Tellius games, but I definitely would rather have a genealogy in Binding Blade before we get a Tellius remake in the Echoes style. Yeah, and, and that's the unfortunate part. Yeah, I definitely don't think, um, you know, after discussing it year, uh, probably years ago at this point with uh, Nehru and Opera and all the giant Tellius fans, I definitely don't, or not Tellius, uh, genealogy fans, I definitely don't think uh, genealogy and Thracia should be combined. Uh, they're definitely different enough that they should be kept separate. But I would love for a remake of those before we get a Tellius Echo style remake. Not saying I wouldn't love an Tellius Echoes remake. When we think about an Echoes, you know, offering, and um, it kind of, you look at uh, their remake of Gaiden and bringing us uh, Shadows of Valencia, it kind of works, right? Because they gave us, we had the first part to Shadows of Valencia, which was um, um, Mystery of the Emblem or, or Shadow Dragon. Um, we never got Shadow the second Dragon. part. Yeah, Yeah, but... You kind of think about these other offerings, offerings like genealogy or or um, the the Tellius series. Like you're kind of set up to do we offer both parts, right? Um, do we give them the first part, and then does is there this expectation that that the second part will be coming? Because they're very much connected from a storytelling, and neither of them are available. Like um, I think is Radiant Dawn the Wii one? Yeah, Radiant Dawn is the Wii one. Uh, Path of Radiance was the first of the Tele series on GameCube. Um, but, like, also, I think Echoes is technically, or Shadow of Entity is technically the middle part. Um, I think it is still considered technically the middle part, even though Faye considers all of um, Shadow Dragon and New Mystery of the Emblem as one game inside of it. I believe Echoes is still technically in between the two. Yeah. But, like, I guess what I'm saying is. Um we we had that we had that first part and then you have the side quest and like really having that that final part uh we never we never really had it and but there was that still haven't had it here in the west Uh, for sure and i and i guess i wonder like at this stage do they offer a part one um and and we're going to be sitting here expecting a part two for for no matter what path they take so I kind of wonder, like, what do they remake? I, I think there's limited options for what they remake as a as an Echoes offering, but I I would almost take you know the the uh, I would almost take like an olive branch of like, well, here's a here's an Echoes remake of the first Ike game, and then the second one will be offered as 
a virtual con- you can't even do virtual console because the switch kind of hit the reset button on that and they haven't even made it to n64 so there's like there are there are no more there are no n64 fire emblem games and you're kind of wondering unless they get to the gamecube like are they going to have that all branched offer us or are they going to do something like they did with uh, the 30th anniversary where they kind of just they translate the NES or the Super NES versions of these games and say, okay, here they are. Like I, I do want an Echo style remake, but I wonder if they do. I wonder if they do more of those like collectors packages where they don't really remake it. They just they just do a straight port, you know, um, with a translation. Like I'd I'd be really interested to know the numbers on that uh, uh, on that Fire Emblem yeah. 30th anniversary thing. Yeah, that'd be interesting to know those numbers. Um... I mean, the way I view it right now, I want uh, Genealogy next, Echoes-wise. If they really want to give us something for Tellius, which I'm not saying I don't want, I kind of prefer something akin to the um, Super Mario trilogy they released, where they don't touch the game, they up them and release it as a duo pack. You know, release Path of Radiance, Radiant Dawn... Duo pack up res, no other changes like they did with Super Mario Trilogy. You know, with uh, Galaxy, Galaxy, or Galaxy, um, Sunshine, and whatever the third one in that was. Was it 64? Yeah, it was 64. I think if they if they did that with the Tellius series, you it would be it wouldn't be a bad approach because honestly, you have a GameCube game and you have a Wii game, and really from a graphical standpoint. They sort of like are in line with what was offered in Shadows of Valencia. You know, you had the talking heads. Um, maybe, I can't remember if there was voice acting in it, but maybe you go back and record the VO for it in terms of like a, in, in maybe an enhanced port. Don't get me wrong. I do eventually want an Echoes of Path of Radiance in Radiant Dawn, but I want Genealogy. I want Binding Blade. I want Thracia before we get to Tellius. Yeah, you know, I want to see these stories that I've only heard of because I don't speak Japanese, and I'm not gonna, you know, download. I mean, I guess fan-made remakes are nice, but technically, according to Nintendo, they're, you know, illegal no-nos. If Nintendo finds them, they're gonna yell at you. Yeah. So I want a legal way to see these games as they were meant to be seen. You know, translated and all. I think I. I agree with you. I would like to see Thracia. That's sort of top of list. But you mentioned Binding Blade, and honestly, I might throw Binding Blade. It it kind of fits the similar mold to what Shadows of Valencia offered, where you had um, the part one available to to all in a way that uh, that that still feels and, and plays well. Um, I could see GBA and Game Boy being offered on the Switch for the Virtual Console before the GameCube offering if Nintendo goes that route. So you could seriously do like a, here's Fire Emblem GBA on Virtual Console. Oh, here's also um, Echo's Binding Blade for you to be able to finally play what is essentially part one, whereas you know Blazing Blade was the prequel to that. So I think that would be really cool to see and I mean, we always have this com- we, this conversation always sparks whenever we get a hero from a, from a series that we didn't get a chance to play. But I, yeah, I, I, I really think we're, you know, when we come back, 
um, after our week off, we're going to be right into E3 territory. And, and uh, obviously, if we get a Fire Emblem news uh, story from that, we're going to talk about it here. But do you think we're going to get some Fire Emblem news? Like, if you had to make a prediction, what would you... Would you say we get something? I mean, uh, as we mentioned last week when we were discussing the announcement of Genealogy coming to uh, Nintendo Online for Japan, um, I mentioned there had been some rumors of something getting announced at E3 time frame. So I am hopeful, and I definitely would like to see Genealogy be the one that they announce. I mean, it kind of fits in line with Echoes. Uh, Valentia announcement because that was the 25th anniversary of Gaiden and this is the 25th anniversary of Genealogy this year so sudden Echo's announcement and release later in the year would fit so I'm hoping for that I mean to break it down what I would love to see I mean I wouldn't mind a Thracia Echo's thing but at the speed they get them out I would like to see you know Genealogy get the Echo's treatment this year um I would definitely love to see something of Thracia, so maybe something like the uh, uh, Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light treatment for Thracia 776, like a, an actual straight-up you know, Nintendo port or SNES port uh, to the system that you can buy, like they did with Shadow Dragon, and then Binding Blade, I would like to be the next Echoes after that, you know? Get the second half of that Blazing Blade, which was technically came before, which is weird, but <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Nintendo fans and Fire Emblem fans are eager for the next entry. It's been uh, this will be the thir- third year anniversary of Three Houses coming up, so uh, we're do something. I think I think Nintendo is is going to be poised to offer us something. It'll be, I don't think it'll be a Three Houses two sort of equivalent, not like a direct sequel, but like a like a new Fire Emblem entry. Yeah, I'm not sure how easy it is to do a direct sequel to three houses considering the split endings also while there have been a lot of duologies and trilogies in the past they've kind of drifted away from that with awakening fates and three houses or well awakening and fates we know are one-offs at this point so Mm -hmm. and just the way three houses was designed with the four different endings you know yeah I'm, Which, I don't see a direct for, sequel. Well, yeah, well, I, well, I've heard that the church route is very similar to the uh, Golden Deer route that we're doing. Uh, it's going to be at least a little bit different because Claude won't be there. All right, well, um, you know, that pretty much wraps up our, our uh, Fire Emblem Heroes chat. Uh, we normally go over the legendary slash mythic returns, but since the banner isn't active as of this recording, we'll have that info for you next episode when we return after our week off. Uh, but we did mention three houses, and we are talking game club because we have chapter 14, the Alliance Leaders' Ambitions. The Golden Deer and Knights of Saros ret- restore Garrick Mock Monastery so they can use it as their base of operations. Claude explains that he intends to use Byleth to rally the people of Fodlin bef- behind their cause. At the end of the month, Claude decides to take up the Crest of Flames as their banner in order to avoid provoking the Alliance Lords supporting the Empire. He informs Byleth that his ultimate endgame is to tear down Fodlin's throat in the hope of building dip- diplomatic ties with the world outside Fodlin. However, they are interrupted by Imperial forces looking to drive them out of the monastery. The Alliance forces su- uh, successfully defend the monastery and defeat General Randolph. 
Afterwards, Claude decides that their next move should be to request reinforcements. Lawrence explains that his father will not let reinforcements pass through his territory in order to prevent the Empire from invading, and Claude explains that Fargus is in no shape to help them. The entire western half of the kingdom is under imperial control, and Dimitri is presumed dead. Hilda suggests they contact Judith, the hero of Daphnil. Afterwards, Claude approaches Byleth and admits he still wants to question Rhea about all the secrets she still holds, but wonders what the world would look like without her. He explains that if Rhea were to be removed from power, people would be able to think for themselves instead of blindly following the Saros faith that props up the noble system and prevents friendly communication with the world outside Fodlan. He further speculates that Edelgard's ultimate goal is something similar to his, although he maintains that her methods cause too much death and destruction. At the start of the next month, Judas responds, Judas, <laughs> Judith responds to Claude's request and agrees to meet with him at LL, the Valley of Torment, to reinforce him. The group begins to prepare for the journey, unaware that an Imperial spy has witnessed their conversation. So, so do you think Judith, Judith is going to betray Claude? Is that why you uh, Freudian <laughs> slipped her name to Judith? Here? I don't know, to be honest. I uh, Obviously, I haven't played this before. I don't. I don't believe Judas. Judas. I did it again. Judith is going to uh, is going to backstab Claude. I, I. I don't know. That's a good point. Maybe I am sort of foreshadowing it, even though I have not played. I don't know if she does that. Um, but there were a lot of interesting tidbits in this chapter where we basically got on screen or, or sort of off screen confirmation that Dimitri may or may not be dead, but strongly hinted that he is dead. Uh, due to the kingdom kind of being cut in half by imperial control. Uh, the five-year jump, I mean, Edelgard's been really busy with the Empire, kind of like taking over Fargus, but also sp further sp splintering the alliance in a way where half the alliance is pro-imperial, the other half is just trying not to be involved with the war and, and sparking like a like an alliance civil war type situation. So like, it's very volatile and fragile what's going on here. I mean, and I'm not even sure it's a case of uh, Gloss, uh, you know, Lawrence's father, you know, Count Gloucester supporting the alliance so much as they don't want, they, they see what the alliance is and they know that if the alliance moves, they're going to crush their lands first and they don't want that. Exactly. So, definitely heavy political machinations there. Yeah. I mean, they're trying not to, they're trying to keep their independence, but they're, but they're also want to make sure that they don't poke the bear, so to speak. So yeah. they have this like sort of fragile, you know, the empire is busy with Fargus and obviously they're going to come for the Alliance at some point, but they don't want to force, you know, Edelgard's hand. And, uh, and I think uh, as we move forward with these chapters, we're probably going to see that because that's kind of what Claude does. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting, like, that, you know, you get a little bit of that with Lawrence, as you said. Like, Lawrence is still a dink. I don't like him. But as, you, as we've already established, his father's worse. But in this case, like, his father isn't being a, a, a dink. He's kind of, like, he, it ain't making a smart point. Like, if he allows reinforcements to go through, he's at fault, right? Because, like, if you let reinforcements pass, you know, sight unseen, that scene is supporting the enemy of, of the Empire. So does not look good. And then 
the Empire comes down on the Alliance next, so it's tough. Him having a tactical and strategically uh, sound thought does not make him any less of a dink. No, yeah, you are right. For Lawrence's father. Nor for Lawrence, but, um, you know, so, yeah, they can, you can be a good strategist and still be a jerk. Yeah. So. I think where, where yeah. you're right is this is one of those situations where he's able to come up with a reason to say no that sounds still pretty sane, even though, he, like, he's probably like, glad I didn't have to stretch for that one. Oh, yeah, I do not doubt that even even if not for the situation, I'm sure Gloucester would find some reason to argue and fight against it, if not actually hold up to that, that argument and fight. Yeah. Yeah, but but I really like wow. this chapter. I think it was uh it's interesting that they reuse the Garrick Mock map yet again. Um mm-hmm. I am hoping this is the last time we have to fight on this map because I it's not a particularly fun map. There's a lot of like uh forestry, three different paths type scenario. I mean this this is kind of actually consistent, I think, across most if not all the routes, where the first uh map after or first full chapter after the jump seems to be defending the monastery or attacking it for some reason i thought it was also defending it for the uh edelgard route but i could be misremembering oh you know yeah. what you're probably right because it would make sense because you're still at the monastery although maybe yep. no nah, i don't remember you're probably right i know it's different from a from maybe a uh, a scripting standpoint but it could just be the same like defending if I recall correctly, on the Edelgard route, um, Crimson Flower route, uh, the Fargus is far more together than it was in than it is in either the Blue Lion or the Golden Deer route here. So I think it is Fargus is organized enough, and since they're right on the north border, they send in you know a force to try and chase you out. Yeah, so makes sense. But uh, yeah, no, it was a good chapter. I mean, not really much else to talk about in terms of uh, it's pretty straightforward. I am, like I said, looking forward to moving away, you know, having missions move away from the monastery. Um, the the monastery sections of the game have, are, I think, a little more focused because I think I'm, I'm able to spend more time. Um, you're not trained. I think you're, yeah, uh, advanced training with students. So you can kind of go up to any student and basically do like the training um, sort of uh, use of professor time. So that's kind of sped things up a little bit. And the conversations have been pretty, pretty standard, like going back and forth. I, I still find there's like a whole host of support conversations to work through. But even then, those are starting to dwindle down as, uh, as we move further into the end game. Part of my crazy grinding has shifted to trying to clear out all those support conversations. So I had quite a lot of support conversations sitting there waiting for me as well. Yeah, my thing with the support conversations is like, normally I would leave them until I'm able to like fully enjoy them. But I feel like having them, you know, processing them allows the support to upgrade, which doesn't, doesn't that have an effect on combat if you have the characters playing next to each other yes i believe it does yeah so that's kind of where i am at where like i may not be like tuned to kind of you know go through these but i better do it just so i have that boost on the battlefield but uh i believe technically that's always been the reasoning behind the whole support thing the conversations were something they added in more recent games uh awakening on at least if not some in earlier ones but 
it was always more of a combat boost. Uh, like Awakening, uh, I believe everyone could A, support everyone, and S, support one character, and that way you could still you could get stat boost with everyone. I, I am uh, I'm looking forward to playing more. Um, I don't really have much else to say, but we are going to be doing uh, Chapter 15 mission uh, next time when we return in just a couple weeks. So we'll be continuing Verdant Winds. And uh, we'll probably dip into the Chapter 16 Monastery segment, get that start of the story going too. So look forward to that. All right, that's going to do it for this week's Summoner's Call. Be sure to tune in in just a couple weeks when we return after our week off. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com slash Email the show, Faye at gamersinpodcast.com. Check out the Fire Emblem channel and the Gamers in Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Follow us on Twitter. You can find me at rmurphy, Andy at Dralfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers in for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforest.net, our go-to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. That's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week, and happy summoning. <laughs> <laughs>